Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 18 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be reading Genesis 3, verse 15. Now put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. And here God is addressing the serpent, Satan, the devil, And he is telling the serpent that there will be enmity between him and the woman and between uh, the serpent's seed and the woman's seed. And the woman's seed will bruise the serpent's head and the serpent shall bruise his heel. And so here God is really prophesying of not only things to come regarding uh, the cross, but also really that this scripture is a good summation of the whole history of the world. It is a verse that describes the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, between light and darkness. And this battle has been raging all throughout history. And back in the Garden of Eden, when when Satan deceived Eve, and God pronounced the curse upon the serpent, the Lord spoke of this battle, here in this verse, that there would be enmity between the serpent, and the woman. It's kind of interesting that God selects the woman concerning the enmity between the serpent. He didn't say between the serpent and the man, Adam, but he said between the woman. And why would God say the woman and not the man? Isn't the man the head? Adam is the figurehead. He he is the authority in the home. Why didn't God say between you and the man? Well, the reason is that this is looking at the spiritual battle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of this world. And how primarily has God brought the battle to the earth. How has the kingdom of heaven come down and and wage warfare against the kingdom of Satan in this world? Well, primarily, it's been through the believers, the people of God, as God has used them to proclaim his word and and to send forth his word into the nations at the proper point in time. And the believers are spiritually the woman. 
they are the bride of Christ. And yes, Jesus will at a later time in history enter into the world, but that's 11,000 years from the creation. Actually, uh, Jesus' birth in 7 BC was 11,006 years from the point of creation. And we wonder about that six years because uh, we know that 2300 evening mornings is a period of six years and about four months. So it's possible that God went 11,000 full years from 11,013 B.C. until 13 B.C. And then there was a 2300-day period, or six years and about four months until the birth of Christ. It, it, it's possible that God could have um, inserted a, a tribulation period or, or a period of desolation in, in some way uh, before Christ's birth. But the, the point is that for 11,000 years of history, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not on the earth. But it was the bride of Christ, the true believers that Satan dealt with and, and um, had battles with. It, it was not Christ. And then for a short period of time, yes, Jesus was the uh, target. He was the object of Satan's assault during his period of ministry. But then the Lord went back into heaven and and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And once again, once again, who becomes the object of um, hostilities? It is the true believers, God's elect that are on the earth throughout the New Testament church age. And and they are the ones that populated the churches during during the the 1955 years of the church age and they are the ones that were alive on the earth during the great tribulation and remain on the earth in the day of judgment and we we know that uh satan comes after the woman because it says in revelation 12 in verse 13 and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the woman who delivered the man-child and the man-child was Christ is a picture of the body of believers. So he begins to come after the woman. He, in verse 15 of Revelation 12, it was the serpent. Notice that God's using the word serpent. In Revelation 12:15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that it might cause her to be carried away of the flood. But the earth helps the woman and swallows up the flood. But uh, it says in verse 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the remnant of the woman, the remnant of her seed, is just later generations of elect. All throughout history, Satan is at enmity with the woman. And 
It goes back to the curse that God is pronouncing here at the time of the fall uh, in the Garden of Eden. And, of course, there's a reason that the serpent is at enmity with the woman who is the bride of Christ. It's the gospel. The gospel that God devised, that, that God granted graciously, the gospel of salvation in which he would form the woman through salvation. And Satan comes against that gospel. Uh, and he, he comes against those that are sharing that gospel and, and ransacking his kingdom and, and so forth. And so that's that's why the enmity. Now the word enmity, the Hebrew word is Strong's number three forty-two. It's found in Numbers chapter thirty-five. I'll start reading in verse eighteen. It says, "Or if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die." He is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him of hatred, or hurl at him by laying of weight that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. But if he thrust him suddenly without enmity, or have cast upon him anything without laying of weight, or with any stone, wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him, that he die and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. Okay, well, we cut in here on a chapter where God is speaking about the cities of refuge and and the qualifications of someone who has killed a a person uh, concerning their ability to flee to one of these cities. And, And basically, if someone smites a person with hatred or in enmity, and that's the same thing. That is, you hated this person, like Cain hated Abel, and you you intended to kill them. And so you picked up a stone or a piece of wood or, or something, and you slew them with it. Well, that's a different matter than another man who killed someone accidentally or without enmity. There was no hatred. There, there was no argument. He didn't mean to do it at all. And, and God elsewhere, I think in Deuteronomy, gives an example of someone who's cutting wood and the axe head comes off the helve and, and flies and hits his friend in the head and kills him. Well, that's without enmity. And, and, and so now, uh, that man has to run. He has to flee to the city of refuge because the revenger of blood, one of his relatives, is going to come after him. And it's really interesting how God has set up these cities of refuge and the the congregation there that has to make determination. 
Is this a murderer? Is this a man like Cain that slew his brother with enmity, with hatred? Or is this someone who killed his brother, his friend, without enmity? There was, there was no hatred. And that is what the congregation had to determine. Well, we know that the enmity uh, really does fit well with hatred. Uh, I will put enmity between thee. And hatred identifies with murder. God tells us that in 1 John 3. Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And there is enmity between thee and the woman. The word enmity is translated a couple of times as hatred in Ezekiel 35. We'll just look at one place. It says in Ezekiel chapter 35, verse 5, Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. And there we see murder, warfare, and it's because there was a perpetual hatred. The word hatred is enmity. Perpetual warfare, a perpetual battle concerning the people that God is talking about in in that chapter. The Hebrew word for enmity is 342. But there's a related word, 343, which is translated as enemy. And that word is used in Esther chapter 7 verse 6. And Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. She was revealing who it was that wanted to kill the Jews. That that wanted to destroy the Jews. And How many Jews did he want to destroy? All of them. He wanted to wipe out the Jewish population. He wanted to kill all Jews within the kingdom of King Ahasuerus. All 127 provinces, which would include the province of Judea. He he wanted every Jew um, exterminated and destroyed. And, and that's why Haman is such a wonderful spiritual picture of Satan with the language that Esther uses. The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And, and so just as the serpent is the enemy the perpetual enemy of the people of God, the spiritual Jews, the spiritual Israel. That That's who the woman is representing. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And not only the woman, but between thee and the woman and between thy seed, that is the serpent seed, and her seed. Remember what we read back in Revelation 12, in verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. 
isn't it um marvelous as mr camping used to say isn't it wonderful how we see the bible from beginning here we are in the early chapters of genesis through the end the last book of the bible revelation and we see the same spiritual pictures fitting together harmonizing the serpent in pursuit of the woman who brought forth the man-child, and making war, fighting a war with the remnant of her seed. And that's exactly what God is saying here in Genesis 3.15 concerning this enmity between the serpent and the woman. And uh, it, it will continue between seeds the the serpent seed and the the seed of the woman now the the serpent seed of course um the serpent again is the spirit being the fallen angel satan and and let me um make a correction here by the way i i may have referred to him as lucifer in a time when we went to Isaiah 14, because the King James does use the word Lucifer, but someone sent me a note correcting me on that, and I knew this before, but apparently I forgot it, that Lucifer is not a name for Satan. It's a mistranslation. The the word translated as Lucifer is actually a word that means praise or something similar, and it, it is not a name. But the Bible does speak of Satan as the serpent, as the devil, as the dragon. Uh, these are names that God identifies with this enemy, the, the fallen angel. And there was a chief fallen angel that became known as all these things that was indwelling that creature called the serpent. And, and so he heads up the kingdom of darkness. He is Satan. And then there's other lesser fallen angels called demons. But but anyway, here God is referring to the serpent seed. And since the serpent, the devil, is a spirit being... It's impossible for him to have a physical seed. Uh, that's one of the mistakes that people make in Genesis 6, uh, where it speaks of um, the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. And some theologians have wrongly said or implied that the sons of God coming into the daughters of men is angels uh, mating with with men, uh, with women. And no, no, that's impossible because angels, angelic beings, are another kind of creature altogether than mankind. They are spirit creatures and, and you cannot, uh, mate a spirit creature like an angelic being, an angel, with a man that has a physical body. It's impossible. So when when God speaks of the seed of the serpent, he has in view 
a spiritual seed, a, a spiritual descent that would be the wicked or the unsaved people of the earth. In Psalm 37, Psalm 37 verse 28 says, For Jehovah loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. There God is referring to the seed of the wicked, or we could say the wicked one, and that is Satan, the serpent. His seed will be cut off because they are not saved. God did not save the unsaved of the world. He only saved a portion of mankind, uh, known as the third part, and in two parts uh, are a figure God uses to represent the rest of humanity. All the other billions of people that God did not save fall under the category of being the seed of the wicked. As Jesus pointed out in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 8, in verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. And then the Jews that, that heard that began to argue with, with the Lord that uh, they were Abraham's children and, and, and he was their father. Well, Jesus agreed, yes, physically, physically, uh, Jesus basically told them, you are descendants of Abraham. Yes, physically, you are his seed. However, he continued to say in verse 41, ye do the deeds of your father. And, and again, they responded, then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Well, now they're getting the idea that it that it's a spiritual father that Christ is focusing in on. But then it says in verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. But why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Talk about uh, difficult truths and and telling people honestly about their spiritual condition. You can't get any more direct or honest than than this than what the Lord was saying to these men, these people. Ye are of your father, the devil. You are the seed of the wicked one. You are the seed of the serpent. And so then the uh, dispute continued and, and the Jews proved Christ's words true because eventually they, um, turned him over to Pilate to be crucified. 
They wanted to kill the seed. The seed of the woman, in the first instance, is the Lord Jesus Christ. There'll be enmity between thy seed, God said to the serpent, and her seed. The woman brought forth the Lord Jesus. And and again, Revelation 12 paints that picture of the woman that brings forth the man-child. It's the same woman in view back in Genesis chapter 3 as Christ came down through the lineage of the line of believers and God brought him into the world and Satan did everything he could to destroy the seed who was Christ. As it says in Galatians, in Galatians 3, verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. Christ the Lord is the seed of the woman. And he's the seed that is mentioned again and again uh, in the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. We'll, we'll just look at one. Uh, we could We could go to several verses, but let's go to Genesis 17. Uh, verse 6, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed, singular, because it's it's speaking of Jesus, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Thy seed, thy seed. And it's always singular. And as Galatians said, it's not plural. God didn't say, I'll give it to thy seeds. But seed, and then the Bible Define the seed as Jesus. Christ Jesus is the seed. Also, though, God says of everyone that he saves in Galatians 3, verse 29, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. That is, you're in Christ, Christ is the seed, and therefore you are the seed. You you are as much the seed as uh, all, all the elect. And because all the elect are in the person of Christ as he died for them and paid for all their sins. Well, that's what's in view in Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman between thy seed and her seed, between the serpent and his emissaries, the unsaved that he stirs up to bring trouble and 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 affliction against Christ. Yes, when Jesus was in the world, but against the seed of the woman, the body of the elect, all the rest of time throughout history. 
Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.